like everyone but me is in love Santa, can you hear me? I sign my letter that I sealed with a kiss I send it off and just send this I know exactly what I want Welcome, to Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. It is a Thursday edition of the show. We're in the holiday season. Christmas is just a couple days away. Happy Hanukkah to everybody celebrating right now as well. I think Kwanzaa's coming up soon. Festivus is really whenever you you want to celebrate it. But anyway, we're all in a pretty good mood here today as we're going to talk about a team that's brought down our moods in recent weeks. But we're going to try to get it right back up, talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And specifically in edge rusher, for the Bucks, that has had a lot of expectations this year. And um, there are difference of opinions when it comes to Joe Tryon Shoyanka and if he's ready to break out. So we'll get into all of that and some other things that we heard from the Bucks facility today. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me are two very, very fantastic guests returning to the show. It is Peter Report's own Josh Capo. And also of pewterreport.com, Adam Slavon. Josh, how are you? Adam, how's it going? Uh, please answer in the order of which I uh, referenced you. I'm not hearing you, Josh. I, th- I think you're muted. Not hearing you unless you're like messing with us in a fantastic way, right? Yeah, it says you're muted. All right, uh, <laughs> off to a hot start. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Matt. Uh, excited to talk about the Bucks today. There was a lot of great stuff from the facility that we gathered. Yeah, you're back to going uh, two days in a row, which is uh, which is nice to see during during this Christmas break. And well, we'll get into a lot about. Um, you know, the Fox versus Cardinals matchup, what we kind of expect to go on in this game. Josh, I don't know. Are you still muted? I can't tell. A little bit louder. <laughs> A little bit louder now. <laughs> All right, Josh, uh, you're having some serious microphone issues right now. So, um, not to be the the bouncer in a club, but uh, I'm going to give you the boot real quick, and then uh, we'll see if we can get your audio lined up from there. So, uh, peace out, man. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, poor Josh. All right. Let's get back on track here. Okay. Big matchup for the Bucks. Really, more for the Bucks. The Cardinal season is done. They're they're four and ten. Um, you know, things are not going their way. But I think it's important to point out that um, outside of the quarterback situation, Trace McSorley, I don't think the Cardinals can necessarily be taken lightly. You know, like DeAndre Hopkins is an extremely talented wide receiver. At one point, was the best wide receiver in football. I don't necessarily know if he's that anymore. Um, James Conner is a guy that has a nose for the end zone. So skill player-wise, Todd Bowles talked about this yesterday, they have the skill players to be effective, but haven't really seen that too much this season. Yeah, I would say Hopkins is still probably like a top 10 wide receiver in football. He has shown he still has something left in the tank from his Texans days. And then, like you said, Connor, he had a breakout season last year. 
and is still a really solid running back. And then you augment that. You have Hollywood Brown. You have uh, they spend a second second round pick on Trey McBride. But with having McSorley in place of uh, even Colt McCoy and Kyler Murray, there's a big drop off there. And then one thing I'd like to get into is also their offensive line and kind of connecting that back to JTS. They have four offensive linemen on injured reserve, 11 players total. And so I see the Bucs having a great opportunity to put pressure on a guy making his first start. And unlike in previous weeks with Brock Purdy or Kenny Pickett or PJ Walker, I could really see them having a great chance to impact on the defensive side of the ball. Josh. No. <laughs> no. Oh, no. All right. Uh, while we still, oh, we're still trying to... Wait, wait, what? We had you there for a second. I think I can hear you now. Yeah. You can hear me? Yes. Yep. Okay, well, let's hope that you can still hear me when I plug these in. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Because the speakers oh. are blown out on my laptop. It Ooh. is so wonderful to hear your voice. You know, really, it's a Christmas you, don't miracle. Know, you don't know what you got until it's gone. You know, Gosh. as John Mayer just once said, pay paradise and put up a parking lot. So nice to hear your voice. I mean, if I wasn't already into the holiday spirit, I am now even further into the holiday spirit because seeing is believing and they don't really have a saying for hearing, but hearing is believing in this case. <laughs> Josh, let's rewind this up. Yeah. How are you doing? I am very well now that I can be heard. Because I have things to say today. Yeah, uh, especially <laughs> a lot about, <laughs> especially a lot about um, Joe Tryon Shanka, which we will talk about um, in just a moment. But uh, curious what you would say to um, you know Adam's response about um, this is a huge opportunity for the Bucks pass rush in general against the Cardinals offensive line that has had so much turnover a lot of different guys on the offensive line. And then you pair on top of that, the fact that, you know, Trace McSorley is playing in the game. Um, his first career start, he's only in his third season, but he's already been with two separate teams. Um, your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, if the bucks don't look good this week, I mean, we say it every week, but because the NFC South is so terrible and there's that sliver of hope every, every week that comes after it. But if, if they don't look good this week, I mean, with, with third-string quarterback Trace McSorley making, you know, what is it, his first tech, – technically his first start, right? Yeah. Um, that offensive line that Adam alluded to, the fact that their top cornerback, Byron Murphy, is it doesn't look like he's going to play. I mean, how many gifts can the Bucks be given on this Christmas day <laughs> to, right. to potentially look like a playoff team a couple weeks out from the playoffs. So they need to look good. They should look good against this extremely beaten and battered Cardinals team. Beaten and battered is the uh, correct word. Appreciate everyone watching this show and in the chats. And of course, uh, if you give us a super chat, which we are greatly appreciative of, you get to cut the line and we'll make sure we put up your comment ASAP. So Michelle C with a $5 super chat. Thank you very much, Michelle. Michelle says, uh, anything to Gronk's on board tweet? 
LOL. Yeah, so that was some big news that um, people were getting all worked up about yesterday. Gronk, as uh, Michelle pointed out, tweeted, I'm bored. And, um, you know, people ran wild with it. Um, there's a lot of ways that you can look at this, and I don't want to be the bearer of bad news in, uh, again, when we're in the holiday spirit yeah. and we're supposed to bring good tidings as the song goes. But I, I think this was just Rob Ronkowski just having a little fun, um, messing with people a little bit. He did the same over the summer when Leonard Fournette uh, posted something and he said, oh, I'll be in the crowd wearing my Fournette jersey or whatever. And Fournette was like, nah, like come play with us. I just think it's a funny little, you know, making a joke, having a little jab, having fun at Bucks fans' expense. I wouldn't get too hyped up about it, especially because the Bucks are six and eight, um, barely clinging on to the NFC South and most likely are headed towards a first round exit, even if they do make the playoffs. So Josh, just curious uh, what you thought about that tweet. I just think he didn't have anybody to talk to about USAA insurance. Right. He, yeah. he really enjoys talking to people about USAA insurance. Busted. <laughs> he needs to be taken from my, my the commercials I see. Busted. This is Super Bowl champion Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> I'm not a member. <laughs> I've seen that commercial so many freaking times. Yeah. And you do uh, his voice so well. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I've been around I've been around him. I've seen the commercial so many times. I wouldn't say I'm like a impression enthusiast, but if I'm around someone with like a particular accent or just I hear someone's voice a lot, I can kind of like pick it up uh, a little bit easier. Um, Adam, did you think anything of this or just, uh, you know, kind of same as everyone else? Kind of the same sentiment as you. As nice as it would be to have his jolly spirit around this holiday season, I don't really see the Bucks trending towards that direction um, just with cap constraints and them also being comfortable with having Kate Otten emerging as a young tight end option, and then also having veterans, Cam Brate and Kyle Rudolph, how much would Gronkowski really change the dynamic of the offense this season, an offense that has struggled? So kind of agree with what you've said. You did have something fun to say uh, earlier today when we were at the, the Bucks building about, man, could you imagine if they had Rob Gronkowski and Kate on yeah. as, your, as your top two tight ends? Which that would be great. They probably still wouldn't throw it to Kate Otten. So I don't know how much of an impact Kate Otten could. Um, also, Josh, one thing I wanted to mention, because uh, you had a video, what was it now, like two months ago about Kate Otten and like the emergence of Kate Otten. And you had a great point. Uh, you know, obviously tight ends, they they catch and they block as well. But, you know, people like the passing game and scoring touchdowns and stuff like that. But you... You pointed out something just so fantastic with Kate Otten about him as a blocker, where he's almost a better blocker when he has to pull or go to the outside, when you have to put him in motion and he gets to the defender versus lining up one-on-one -on -one against the defender and, um, and and winning that battle. And he had a moment in the Bengals game, the game against the Bengals, where he went in motion and blocked the freaking defensive tackle and like actually did a formidable job. Uh, in that situation, I just wanted to give you a shout out for that because um, everyone should be watching Josh's videos when he puts them out because you're learning stuff from it. You know, he's in yeah. motion, does a good job, lined up one on one. OK, but not as solid as he is when he's in motion. So I just want to give you some some credit for uh, that observation. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. With Kate, with Otten, I think it comes down to just when he's on the move, he's got confidence that his. um 
his momentum is going to help carry him through and really drive through the block. And I think that, you know, come year two, year three, you're going to see him improve as just an inline stationary blocker, but that is definitely the best way to get him to effectively execute a block at this point in his career. Um, just going back, I was thinking if Gronk did decide to come back to the Bucks, in my mind, the only way that happens is he busts through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. Like that just seems <laughs> yeah. to be like how Gronk would do it, right? Oh yeah, I'm back. I could see him like skydiving onto the practice field, like in the middle of the practice field. Be like, oh, hey, like what's up guys or whatever. Or like he would go to practice and just be in a completely different costume like he'd probably have a mustache like he'd pull like an yeah, eli manning yeah he'd be like an eli manning type of thing when he went to i think <laughs> penn state or whatever yeah. it was yeah and you know it'd be a good little bit for fox and they'd be like oh yeah like we got this guy from baltimore's practice squad or i guess maybe a team they didn't play that year and uh right. yeah anyway that's how that's how i would see gronk coming uh back to the fox if if he wanted to do that if Gronk did come back, which of course isn't happening, would further help the Bucs make the playoffs. If the Bucs made the playoffs, fans would be pretty excited about that. Add a little boost, maybe a little bit more energy to everyone here in the Tampa Bay area or Bucs fans around the world that are watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And when I think of energy, I think of Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. They have a variety of flavors from the Arctic peach and tropical vibes. You can get a cola flavor. Uh, watermelon berry is one that I've been uh, having a lot more recently. Um, grape, they got orange, they got uh, kiwi. So a ton of awesome, great different flavors that you can get there. Seven essential vitamins really is the key. And there's zero sugar or preservatives. It's the healthy version of an energy drink. So you're not going to get that post-energy drink crash. Um, it's also great if you want to substitute coffee with Celsius energy drinks. Uh, I know Scott Reynolds has done that. The world's most favorite backup quarterback, Blaine Gabbard, has done that as well. So um, get on the Blaine train with Blaine Gabbard and start substituting that uh, for Celsius. Now you might want to know, where can I find Celsius energy drinks? That's totally cool. I got you. I got the hookup. Um, go to the Celsius store locator and uh, punch in your address. Then you'll find out where you can go to your local Walmart, Target, your bodega, as uh, everyone likes to get all up in arms about every time I say it. Um, go check it out there. And when you realize that you love it, start buying it in bulk. And um, Amazon, do the subscribe and save. Have it sent to your house or apartment every one, two, or three weeks. I'd recommend getting the variety pack because, as everyone also likes to get worked up about, variety is the spice of life. Why well, just have one type of Celsius energy drink when you could have multiple types of Celsius energy drinks? So just make sure that you're drinking Celsius, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast, hashtag Celsius Live Fit, hashtag Celsius Energy. I uh, saw a couple fans today uh, on the Twitter machine that were saying, hey, I just got a new pack of Celsius, and they tweeted at us. So appreciate you guys. I know we retweeted one of them. Um, if we didn't get to the other just yet, I will see to it that, that happens is adam all the way from uh jolly old britain says uh hey guys What's up, adam? and adam hey. is a huge fan of the uh the peach vibe so it's my that guy right is... there peach vibe is number one yeah and if it's not number one on your list you're just wrong yeah and you're going on the naughty <laughs> list 
Exactly. <laughs> That's what's going to happen there. All right, let's talk about the man of the hour. The man with the well, I don't know if he has a plan. I think his plan is just to get after the quarterback. And that is Joe Tryon Shoyinka, better known as JTS, better known as the Washington pipeline that the Bucks like to have, which is drafting all Washington players, which is pretty cool. It's worked out for the most part. <laughs> um, anyway, Cape, you wrote recently a story about Mr. Tryon Shoyinka, Mr. TS, as they might say. And um, you are of the of the belief of the um, the ilk that Joe Tryon Shoyinka is developing at the proper rate. And he's actually doing good things for the Bucks defense. It's just not getting as appreciated as it should be. I don't want to speak for you. This is your story. The floor is yours. Please um, dig deeper. Go further. I don't know, sure. man. It's the holiday season. Yeah, yeah. Do what you want to do. I think it's he set home. me up pretty well there. But, yes. Um, <clears throat> so, you have to go back and you have to understand the context with which Joe Tryon Shoyinka's development is working within. He is not your typical first-rounder in a couple of different ways. Um, number one, he was drafted 32nd overall, the very last first round pick. And if you look at any draft analysis over long periods of time, there is definitely a precipitous drop off from, say, top 15 picks to the back half of the first round in terms of their hit rate. Okay. So um, within that, through the first almost two years now, um, that draft class is not looking to be a very historic draft class when you get past the first 20 picks or so, right? You have a couple of really good receivers who were taken early. You've got some ballers who were very high picks, but as you get back into that back half of the first round and beyond, there's not a ton of guys who have just lit the world on fire. So you have to understand that context as well. What were the other available options? Um, you have to look at the Bucks needs because they can say best player available all they want, but that roster that they brought back after 2020 had some very, very specific needs. And this wasn't just unique to that year. The year before, they had a glaring need at, at right tackle. They went and took a right tackle um, in Tristan Wirfs, and they were just so happened to look out that it was an extremely deep tackle draft, right? But they had some very specific needs because there were certain position groups, even if you had a guy rated higher than JTS, there's a good chance they wouldn't have made the roster because of all the people they brought back from the year before. Then finally, the last piece of context you have to take into consideration is when Joe Tryon Shrinko was drafted, he hadn't played in over a year. He uh, he opted out of his last year at Washington because of uh, it was the COVID season, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that were working against you just saying, well, he's a first round pick. We should expect him to be the next TJ Watt just doesn't work that way most of the time um guys of tj watts uh impact are usually drafted way higher in the draft than tj was because he was a back half kind of guy um and jts had a lot of developing he had to do he had to change his body a bunch he had to learn how to pass rush at the nfl level there were a lot of things that meant that he was going to be a project and the best comp I can give, not in terms of how his effect, how he pass rushes, but in terms of like that development plan would be somebody like Rashawn Gary with um, 
the Green Bay Packers, right? Rashawn Gary was a, a very raw project when the Packers took him four or five years ago now. And he didn't really hit until year late year three. And now this year in year four. And, um, and you look at his pass rush production in college, it was very, there wasn't much, but he was just a physical specimen and the Packers were willing to take that risk that, you know, we're going to develop him. We know that he's not going to be a guy year one or year two. Bucks took a similar approach with Tryon Shainka. They didn't need him to be the guy year one. They had JPP and Shaq Barrett and obviously JPP, you know, he ended up with a bunch of injuries and wasn't very effective. Towards the back half of the year, JTS was the better pass rusher than JPP. <laughs> For most of the year, he was. Um, so he had a fairly decent rookie season. I think some of his development was a bit stunted because the Bucks moved him around so much and they didn't give him a ton of opportunities, as many as I would have liked to just learn the position of edge rusher or in this defense, outside linebacker. They had him dropping into coverage a bunch, which he actually does at a pretty high level for his position. They had him moving in inside to the B gap. And that all of those missed opportunities and missed reps are missed opportunities to develop and get better. Now, this year, he was given the opportunity to be the number two edge behind Shaq Barrett. And you know what? By any objective metric, he's performing exactly like you would want a quality number two edge guy to perform at. But here's the thing that frustrates Bucks fans. Shaq Barrett is no longer the number one edge due to injury. Yeah. So in, in football and in sports, we always have this whole next man up. Now, if you don't have a number one edge, the number two guy becomes the number one edge, and he should just produce at the number one edge's production rate. That's a great mentality to have, but that's not how performance works, right? If the guy was good enough to be a number one edge he probably would have been performing a lot better against number two tackles, right? So now you have him getting a lot more attention um, than he was when Shaq Barrett was, was in the game, and he's still performing pretty darn well. And like I said, he's performing like a quality or even a high-end number two edge rusher um, in terms of his pass rush win rate by PFF's measures, his pressure rate, um, just his his how often he's getting into the backfield. The one area he can improve upon is finishing. Absolutely. Well, that's one of a few. But the one that I think fans would appreciate the most is finishing. Um, he's got four sacks on the season. He probably should have eight. And I think if he had eight through 14 games, nobody would really be upset. But he only has four. And he's missed out on four to five just because he's still got to improve at wrapping up and tackling. But he is absolutely affecting quarterbacks. He's getting into the back field he's improved his pass rush arsenal where he's not just running around dudes and trying to use his speed you see um pass rush moves you see club rips you see um him using a, a very high uh, effective bend to get around the corner he's moving inside there's power that he still needs to he could potentially develop he may never actually do it but there's potential there um but he is absolutely developing into the guy that the Bucks should hope that he would be at at this stage in his career. Maybe not quite like perfect, but definitely within the realm of development. And now I will get off my soapbox. Josh, that was um, eloquent, intelligent, well thought out, well explained, and a great job of bringing all context in. Don't tell my wife I'm capable of an argument like that. Overruled. No, I, was, I was trying to do. Uh, I, I keep bringing up my cousin Vinny this week, but you know when like 
You ever seen my cousin Vinny? I know Adam hasn't. Mr. Gambini, are you on drugs? Yeah, right. Like when <laughs> when he does the whole thing, and and the judge is like, "That was great. That was well thought out. Overruled." Uh, no, but I, I think you do bring in a, a lot of great context. So, Adam, I'll ask you because initially, before the article, and even last week, Josh, you were on the show, and I had this feeling, and then you were explaining something else about JTS that essentially. Um, our expectations were too high for him, um, right. especially where he was drafted, um, how he was utilized last year, and um, how he essentially got sprung up right to the number one edge rusher out of necessity more than because he earned it. So, Adam, I'll ask you, do you think or do you feel that the expectations were either too high for Joe Tryanchenka, not fair for what um, – what we thought he was going to do, or has he just not lived up to, to your expectations? It's a great task following up the words of uh, Josh, but just to kind of build on some of his points, I thought he really explained some things. Well, going back to the expectations, I think right now with the loss of Shaq Barrett, Zach Barrett, uh, having the pressure of trying to be that number one edge rusher, I think is a little too much to expect from a second year guy. I mean, coming in, comparing him to Rashawn Gary, I really like that. Rashawn Gary, he was drafted in the top 15 picks, and many Packers fans labeled him a bust after a season or two to be quickly proven wrong. For the Bucs, this was always an upside play, drafting him with the last pick of the first round, kind of like a low-risk, high-reward, having some of the guys back. And you mentioned like the metrics kind of backing that up. For the Bucks defense, he had the highest pro football focus grade of all Bucks starters against the Bengals. He did really good in coverage, like you mentioned. He did really good in pitch. I think the big thing for him is to build off not only finishing plays, but also run defense. And he has a lot of potential to really impact the game. I think the last three games of the season will be huge for him as he faces teams that don't have those bookend high quality tackles. And he can probably exploit some mismatches there. I'm glad you said run stopping. I I knew I liked you. I knew you were going to be a good hire because that's kind of been the big knock on him. As Scott Reynolds talks a lot about is that um, he doesn't have the best outside contained. He's not great in the run stopping role. So Scott almost wants to see him in certain games, like especially, uh, you know, against uh, San Fran and things like that. But before the injuries went on, kind of want to see him as a, just situational pass rusher type of guy and let Carl Nassib when Carl was healthy and Anthony Nelson do their thing because JTS has a little bit too much of like, see the ball, get the ball type of thing. When you kind of forget about the rest of your responsibilities, Josh, do you see it that way? Or is again, is it just part of the process for him? I think that stunts his growth, right? You, you've got to give him the opportunity to improve. Is he fantastic in run defense? No, I think he's actually a pretty good backside trailer like when when they're running away i think he does a great job in pursuit on the backside of the play um but he can lose containment yes absolutely uh when he's on the front side of the of the play and, and he can sometimes get bodied by more physical offensive tackles but if you take him off the field for those reps he's not able to develop so then what are you saying at that point we want to continue to just make him a situational pass rusher at what point do you give him the opportunity to improve in those areas? So I think you have to take some of the bad with the good. I think the other thing that a lot of Bucks fans fail to realize is JTS, his splash plays and his sack numbers are, 
I want to see how I want to word this. They're higher than you think in terms of how the Bucks use them. So if you look at a lot of the sacks that uh, Levante David and Devin White have been able to put up, many of those are a byproduct of what JTS is able to bring to the defense. And, and that's in two different ways. So number one, the reason Devin White is able to um, generate as many pass rushes as he is over the course of a season is because the buck, and a lot of it's not even Devin White blitzing, but it's him coming in on, on what's called simulated pressure. Yeah. Um, where the Bucks are still rushing four, but Devin White becomes one of the four rushing. Well, if Devin White is coming in as one of the four rushing, that's because you're dropping a, a defensive lineman, which Todd Bowles loves to do. Joe Tryon Shanka is actually one of those guys who drops quite a bit, as a matter of fact. I want to say I was looking at PF. I hate how much they drop him in coverage. I but he's, hate it. He's actually really good for his position at doing it. He's um, I want to say he has the third most um coverage snaps among edge rushers in the NFL behind like Micah Parsons. And I can't remember who the second one was, but um, and he's got like the third best coverage grade by PFF for whatever weight you put that in. But even the tape bears it out. Like he understands more than just spot dropping into his zone. He'll, he'll pick up a guy and, and try and cut off lanes to him so that the quarterback can't use that person as an outlet. And that allows white to get home. That allows Levante David to get home. So while JTS doesn't get credit for the sack, it's his ability to drop into coverage, which most edge rushers can't do. Anthony Nelson can't do that. Shaq was pretty, he's okay, but he's not even as good as what JTS has shown. Um, and it allows the Bucks to get sacks in different ways. So you have to be yeah. able to give JTS credit for how he's contributing to those numbers. And then even like the Cincinnati game, one of the, I think it was one of the clips I included in the article, um, just his ability. He, he got a, a long arm into Lyle Collins's chest on a delayed blitz by Levante. And he just drove Collins inside and backwards. Like the guy was on roller skates and allowed Levante to come in completely unscathed right into Burrow and, and knock him out. Um, so there are a lot of things that he does. Not all of it is your traditional, just, I'm going to dominate. I'm going to Khalil Mack, just bully a dude yeah. and get a sack. And I think that's again, where Bucks fans can maybe miss the nuance of, of him. And then again, the, the expectations, I firmly believe that he has the upside to be a number one edge. And I'll qualify a number one edge as one of the top 32 edge rushers in the NFL, right? Just a guy who can be uh, a team's number one. He has that upside. I don't know if he'll ever get there, but I think he has a very long career ahead of him as a quality high number two who's going to get you anywhere from seven to ten sacks a year depending on his conversion rate, which is a volatile statistic, um, who's always going to have high, uh, high hustle. He'll get some hustle sacks. He'll be able to drop into coverage and do some fun things that way, um, and, and he's going to give you a high floor. And for the 32nd overall pick, that's a hit if you look at the history of the NFL draft. And so I, I, I think that he's kind of a victim of high expectations right now. But I love watching his growth because from year one to year two, he's a different player. And he's added and he's layered to his game. And you see that growth. And that's really what you want to see. Are you saying that he's getting better in places that uh, we wouldn't realize or we wouldn't notice? <laughs> I will not use that language. <laughs> I will not. So anyway, but yeah, I would say, uh, and I, I know our faces are going to be a little cut off because it looks like Matt dropped out, but I'll continue to, 
to kind of talk on my diatribe there. But the things that you're seeing is, is you're seeing he's developing a pass rush plan. From one snap to the next, there is a conscious effort for him to kind of set things up with the guy he's going against. And that is very important to his development, that he's not just saying my physicality is going to win, but now I'm starting to enter the, the mental side of it. I know you had posted a comment just a little while yeah. ago, Matt. I think it was something. Yeah, like from uh, from Harvinder. Uh, apologies for uh, my internet going out. It just hated what I said about quoting fire and left which that it uh was harder about the, the physicality about uh yeah here it is thank you harbinger for the comment is jts too physically small he seems to miss a lot of tackles and is easily pushed around question mark so uh to that point i think the missing tackles it's something that you see with a few bucks players i think it's more just form like he, he tackles high sometimes he fails to wrap up so I don't yeah. think that has anything to do with his um, his physicality. There ha I know we've had in the Pewter Report group chat, we've had some conversations about he changed his body a lot from Washington to the, the Bucks, and there may be an opportunity for him between this year and next year to add some extra weight, lose a little bit of speed, but develop a, a more dominating presence from a physical standpoint. He's got the frame to do it. He can add some weight. Um, that's potentially something he could do i think he can still win in the run game and not necessarily get bodied just as he continues to understand the game and just improving his form his hand fighting um using leverage things like that and uh improving his angles both in run um run defense as well as pass rushing I don't want to look too far ahead because, you know, the Bucs can still win the division. They Every game they have for the rest of the season is important. But, you know, you look at the outside linebacker room in general for the Bucs. Um, you know, JTS obviously is here for a couple of more seasons. Um, Shaq Barrett is also – I forget how many years left he has on his contract, but he's coming off of a, you know, a like a serious injury. You know, a torn Achilles is nothing – that can be like, oh, like he'll be good to go. No problem. He'll be ready by training camp. Like that's something that you might even see like the Chris Godwin effect where Chris Godwin took him time from his knee injury to really get back to shape. Then you have Carl Nassib on a one-year deal and Anthony Nelson's in his contract here. So, you know, going into next year, you have Shaq Barrett who's injured and, you know, JTS who is ascending or at least – playing formidably he's, but... a, he's a starting piece that, exactly that's what I was... so adam I guess, uh, what i want to ask you adam is like <coughs> can he be a, a clear-cut number one guy for like a whole season or is he just a good complimentary player of hey if you got your number one stud your tj watts your bosas um you know miles garrett those guys man that's a great duo when you have joe tryon shanka on the other side or can he grow into a, a number one guy because he is a physical specimen. And I, I guess I'll also ask too, and Harbinger kind of asked about, about um, physically wise, can he be more physical as a player? Obviously he can't grow much more. Sure. You can work out and, and things like that, but I don't know. It just seems sometimes like he could use a little more technique trying to go through the offensive tackle versus trying to go around. Do you see that? Yeah. Um, so I don't see physicality being an issue with JTS. He, he's imposing. He's 6'5". He's built. Sure, I think a good aspect of 
his continued growth would be adding more weight, whether that's putting on like 10, 15 more pounds and kind of pushing more offensive linemen. But to, to kind of speak to your point, I would say that GT, JTS is still growing as a player. He can be like a low end number one. I definitely see him being like a top 32 edge rusher, not maybe like a TJ Watt or Micah Parsons, but I think there's a lot of like Jack of all trades kind of being like a Swiss army knife for a defense and kind of as he grows offering more of a different look for defenses. And I think he's going to be a key cog for the defense in 2023 and kind of, I don't know how far you want to scope this out, but also along the defensive line, there's a lot of question scope marks it. with free agents. Scope you have it Logan up, Hall. Man. You have Logan Hall. He was praised uh, yesterday by Coach Bowles and today by uh, defensive coordinator Casey Rogers. And then you also have another guy in Zion McCollum, another athletic guy. That's kind of what the Bucks like is the young athletic guys and trying to mold them into great players. And with the secondary also having free agents, I feel like those three are going to be essential for next year. I think that kind of goes into a, a little bit different, obviously. And JTS is a second year player. And um, so there's still a lot more development. And I've said this before, more about the rookie class, but I think it pertains to Joe Tryanchenka. The Bucks got spoiled. And I mean this in a good way. They got spoiled with the fact that Tristan Wirfs, who we'll talk about in a little bit because he's the number one, the only guy that made the Pro Bowl for the Bucs as just making the team. They got spoiled with Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield Jr. just being incredible, incredible players as soon as they began their NFL career. And that's tough, especially when you see that. And then your first round pick from next season just doesn't become that right away. And I don't think it's necessarily the fault of Joe Try and Shoenka. It just so happens that when you have arguably the two greatest draft picks that Jason Light has ever made uh, in his regime as the general manager of the Bucs, um, those expectations kind of unfairly go uh, go towards your way. And it's the same thing with like this year's draft class as well. As you mentioned, um, Logan Hall, Adam, uh, you also talked about the fact that uh, he still has room to grow. And a lot of these players, whether it's the outside linebacker, room or the defensive tackle room they have to grow another thing that i like to see grow is my bank account which i would hope to get by winning some money on underdog fantasy which you can tonight because the jets are playing the jaguars on thursday night football you can also do it with uh you know basketball hockey i was doing it for the world cup that's no longer going on you do it for baseball when baseball season gets here but uh underdog fantasy is the easiest way to get some action on the NFL with their pick em game and their rival game, too. That's always a fun one to do. Just pick an over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats and win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. You pick between two and five players to fill out your pick em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code PEWTER and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Even if you learned from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. Once again, use the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. Get your first deposit doubled up to $100 with Underdog Fantasy. Of course, uh, I'll be making some picks for the Bucks game as well when they play on Sunday. Very much looking forward to that and just getting back in the winning season. 
So if you did underdog over unders with the World Cup, is it like the only thing you can do over? You can't do like a guy to score a goal because nobody scores in that sport. Is it just like over <laughs> under three times pretending like you've had the worst injury in the world? Right, you're running with your hair like your hair's on a fire. Slander. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So they would have sport. things. They would have things such as um, shot attempts, which obviously can be tracked pretty easily. Um, chances created which i don't specifically know what that means does that mean you have the outlet pass and you set up the guy that that shoots it is it the, is it like a hockey assist where you you pass it to the guy that passes it that i wasn't totally sure mm -hmm. on so i made that bet one time just being like eh, it's messy he'll probably do something and then, <laughs> and then higher I, higher, uh, higher yeah exactly and then <laughs> the goalie it was saves but was kind of I was mad about is one of the goalies. It was like over under three and a half saves, and he made he made three. I took the over. He made three, so I'm just pissed at the other team for not getting enough shots on him. You know. Um, but anyway, it was it was really fun to do. Um, if you're into the World Cup, if you're not into the World Cup, that's why they have all the other sports. You get into golf too. But since you hate soccer you probably don't like golf either because it's a slow moving sport i actually love playing golf really i, I don't watch hmm. it much but i absolutely adore playing golf it's one of the few places where i feel like i can turn off my brain which is hard for me to find it's few and far between so i love golf yeah it's a great sport absolutely love it if you live in the florida area of course you can play it a lot uh georgia area you can uh, get to it as well. Uh, anything else with Joe Tryanchenka that you guys want to get off your chest, or should we uh, start switching um, gears a little bit? Yeah, I, the one thing I was going to do is kind of just compare him to his draft class. So you look at that 2021 draft class in terms of specifically edge rushers, there is a clear top two. And what's really funny is half of that top two, nobody expected to actually be an edge rusher, right? Micah Parsons was drafted by the Cowboys to be an off-ball linebacker, and he's turned into – a top five edge rusher inside of a couple of years here. Um, but the Bucks never had a shot at him. He was drafted 20 picks before um, the Bucks had an opportunity. Similar with Jalen Phillips to Miami. Um, he was taken, I want to say, around 16. So those two guys, you know, Bucks fans never, or the Bucks never had a shot at, and they are the clear top group of that draft class in terms of edge rushers. Um, you look at it in terms of defensive pressures. Parsons has 71. Phillips has 60. And then guess who's in third place? Joe Tryon Shoyanka. He has 35 defensive pressures per PFF um, th uh, this year, which places him third out of that draft class. He's one ahead of Greg Rousseau, who went up ahead of him. Um, he's a couple ahead of Rashad Weaver, who is a fourth round draft pick. And then um, a couple ahead of Baron Browning, who admittedly Baron Browning looks like he could be a game wrecker as a situational pass rusher. But Baron Browning was taken to be an off-ball linebacker as well out of, I believe it was Ohio State. So when you look at the other pass rushers that were taken around him, Peyton Turner, Odafe Owe, these guys, JTS is actually outperforming almost all of them in one of two ways. Either he's generating more pressure or he's actually being trusted by his team to be on the field for the majority of snaps. Some of these other guys have better pressure rates, but they are strictly um, – uh, situational pass rushers because their teams don't trust them to be out there on three downs. There's a, that's a big part of this, right? Is be the bucks got one of the few guys who there's like, he's an every down starter. You know? Yeah. Otherwise you're talking about the bucks took a guy they can't put on the field most downs in the first round. And I don't think bucks fans would take too kindly to that. So again, 
I think we need to pump the brakes on what the expectations are. As long as you do that and you have a realistic version of what he should be and you take the long game, it's a four-year contract with an option for a fifth year. Year four, you're hoping he's that 10 sack, 10 to 12 sack guy. That's the high end, I think, um, what you're looking for. And again, sacks are volatile. So for me, I'm looking at, I'd love to see him in that 60 to 70 um, uh, defensive pressures you know, per, per year. If you get that, he's a home run. If he's consistently around 50 to 55, that's still a double and, and a successful draft pick. So I think that's kind of my closing argument there. Thank you, Vincent LaGuardia Gambini. Uh, Adam, any other comments or JTS, or should we pivot the conversation to uh, what we saw at the Bucks facility today? Because there's two things specifically that I thought were of notice um, today, but I will uh, let you have a not really a defending argument because you're kind of agreeing with Josh, but anything else <laughs> you want to talk about with JTS? Yeah, I guess just one final thing. We oftentimes talk about a year two breakout for players, and we might see that next season with Logan Hall and Zion McCollum. But I think a year three breakout for JTS is something that we should really like keep tabs on. I feel that for young players, that's really when we should start monitoring them as they've been watching game film in the offseason, kind of shifting their focus post-college into breaking down their own film, communicating with other players. There's a lot of veterans on the Bucks team meeting with them in the offseason, learning new moves, building on their technique. I think for that, for JTS, that'll be important is his technique. His physicality is there. Yeah. I feel that even in the offseason, if he adds 10 pounds, great. But just building on the technique, building on the moves that you see in a lot of the top pass rushers, I think that'll be important for him. Yeah, well said. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, definitely got to work on the technique. Uh, people could work at technique at, at all aspects of their life, including if you're a bowler, and you're going to be bowling at Pin Chasers. I know I got to work on my bowling technique. Um, check out Pin Chasers. There's multiple locations in the Tampa Bay area from East Pasco to Zephyr Hills, Midtown, and Veterans. They have one pretty close to the Advent Health Training Center where uh, the Bucks have their practice, where Adam and I were today. And um, it's a great night out with friends and family. The food is very underrated from the pizza to the chicken tendies to the nachos. Um, they have great deals. Like, Literally every single day, whether it's all-you-can-eat pizza, um, all-you-can-bowl, all dollar beers, of course, is always a great deal. So go to pinchasers.net. Check out uh, what deal is best for you. Um, you can also book your kid's birthday party there. They have the arcade room so the kids can bowl and play some video games. If you want to book a, a company outing there, they obviously have a great area for that. Just a ton of great different deals. Brunch on the weekends. Can't go wrong with that. So visit pinchasers.net. And again, see what is the best deal for you at pinchasers.net. All right, Adam, there were really two things of note for me at the Bucks facility today. It was Thursday, so that's when we typically get um, – we got offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, We get quarterback Tom Brady. We get uh, – the, then we have open locker room. And then after open locker room, we speak to one of the co-defensive coordinators – this week, it was Casey Rogers. Him and Larry Foote switch on and off each week. But there was really two things that, for me, I think were, like, interesting of note, whatever you want to call it. One, Tristan Wurst, obviously, he made the Pro Bowl, as I alluded to before. Um, we spoke to him today. He talked about his excitement. And I thought what was really cool is, um, you know, he – I asked him about the fact that 
I mean, he's had a hell of a career already to begin his career. His yeah. first season, he wins a Super Bowl. His second season, he's an all-pro offensive tackle, makes his first Pro Bowl, and then this year makes a second Pro Bowl, and we'll see what other accolades come his way. So I asked him if he really had a time to, you know, reflect on everything that uh, that went on uh, or, or just what he's been able to accomplish. And, you know, he started out saying, like, he gave his mom his Pro Bowl jersey, and she was just so excited, and he just talked about, you know, how great it is, how – just exceptional the fact that he's got all these awesome teammates and coaches and he put a lot of the praise on that which i thought was really cool and then the other thing about the pro bowl sticking with tristan Wirfs, the other thing about the pro bowl is there's obviously not a game this year it is um a skills competition so he did say he's going to participate in them with the caveat of course he doesn't want to be in them he wants to be in the super bowl let's just get that out of the way he wants to be in the super bowl every bucks player wants to be in the super bowl but if he has to play in the Pro Bowl, um, I he was asked about if, if there was an event specifically that he would want to do. And he said he heard that there's an eating contest. And I was actually going to ask him, like, would you want to do a wing eating contest? Because I thought that would be awesome. He's down for it. And then he told us that when he was about 9 or 10, he was in – there was something called a, a March of Dimes walk. I, I'm not – I don't – totally know what that is i imagine it's like a some type of charity walk or something along those lines but there's a pie eating contest um but it, the pie was just whipped cream and it was just you eat one quickest to to finish it wins and he won that competition as a nine or ten year old so if you can bet on these skill events i'm putting money on tristan awesome. to win the eating competition um the other one and adam if you want to talk about this a little bit more we just learned from we just learned some life life lessons from Tom Brady. It was like the Tom Brady reflection hour, the life yeah. lesson hour from Tom Brady, and he really talked about resilience. He's like, yeah, it'd be easy to to just give up and quit right now, and you know, other guys not talking about the Bucks, but players previously, like that, yeah, they would have an excuse not to play, to be injured right now, and not go and play. And he said, that's typically. You know, you're you're not typically rewarded in that situation. And it's better to just fight and keep it going. So um, I thought that was truly, truly just a nice thing to hear from Tom Brady. Because, you know, there are times where he filibusters and rambles. But um, it was really inspiring what Tom Brady had to say. And I, I don't know if you felt the same, Adam, or if there was anything else that really, uh, really stuck out to you. Yeah, I mean, so we, on YouTube, they have the armchair quarterback series with Tom Brady. And then Thursday, it should just be life lessons with Tom, like yeah. you said. We get we got some really great insight today from Tom Brady and kind of like how the mood is around the team, even though they're six and eight. Being resilient, facing adversity, it makes it that much sweeter. The season for Tom Brady has been a season of adversity on the field as he has never had eight losses in a regular season. Yeah. At this point in the season, his team hasn't had a losing record. He's not used to this. And I guess one quote, you're a basketball guy, a Knicks fan, trust the process, to quote the 76ers. He mentioned that, trusting the process and seeing seeing it through, even if they don't get the win. What can you build off of? They had a great first half where they looked like they could be a formidable formidable. Could beat anyone. Anybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just being resilient, taking adversity, taking the lessons that you've learned. They have three games against a four and ten team and two five and nine teams. If they can see those games as a tune-up and going into the playoffs with a winning record, 
I think that'll be that'll be huge. And so, yeah, that the takeaway from Tom today, and also uh, there was a great uh, question from one of the reporters about the mood when asking uh, Byron Leftwich, and I think that's key, and just trying to earn it. So yeah, yeah, I, without question, uh, it, it's so odd because as bad as things have been, everything is still in front of them, you know. So. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you win it all, who cares how you got into the dance? It's just about getting getting the invitation in the first place. That's that's really all they need to do. So as we kind of switch over to uh, Bucks first Cardinals, I, I'll read the injury report in just a moment. Before that, Josh, I'm just curious, looking at this matchup, is there anything specifically that sticks out to you, or is there a matchup that you're you're most excited to to watch, or um, just Something you want to see from the Bucks to to really solidify that they get the job done. Yeah, I think it'll be dependent upon that uh, injury report because I haven't had a chance to look it over thoroughly. Um, <clears throat> but probably like the best one-on-one matchup I'm excited to see is you look at somebody from kind of a generation before who was at one point the peak of just absolute dominance in the NFL going up against potentially uh, somebody who is there right now. Um, but that would be, I'm hopeful that you, we will get to see JJ Watt against Tristan Wirfs. Um, so obviously, awesome. obviously Watt isn't the pass rusher that he was eight, 10 years ago. He's still fairly effective. Um, obviously Wirfs won't be at a hundred percent if he is able to go with that ankle injury, but to see those two who at different points in their career could be said to be the pinnacle of their position and getting to see that them go uh, one-on-one that's an exciting thing like as a football fan you should be excited to watch that um beyond that like like i said there there is nothing on paper that should make anybody think the bucks should lose now the game's not played on paper <laughs> a lot of it's played in byron Leftwich's scheme um so we hope to see more of the first half of the cincinnati game and i think i saw a tweet one of you guys did from the pr account saying byron sees the offense being that first half of Cincinnati game um, going yeah. forward, which gives me hope, right? And should give Bucks fans hope if they try to replicate that because he did some really good things uh, and the offense was was hitting. Um, but that this should be a win. I think I said it at the top. You know, there's the everything is trending in the Bucks direction for this particular game when you talk about the circumstances surrounding it, especially with the injury report on Arizona's side. Yeah, I'm about to read the injury report, but first, a message from our friends over the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Tampa, Florida. Just the way you like it. Me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two-cent machine. Six bets in, I hit a jackpot. $117,000. Hi, my name is Tarek, and I want over $500,000 playing slot. I do this full-time, and I would not change it for the world. I'm Gloria. I won over $2 million at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry. <laughs> my name is Mike, and I won over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it hits different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won two hundred and fifteen thousand on Blazing Sevens. Putting my last four dollars on the table. Next thing you know, bam, two hundred and fifteen thousand jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it, right? 
Anybody can win at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. You never know when you can win big, so check out the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Tampa and uh, win big at any game. Here's the injury report for Thursday. Jannard Avery did not practice. Abdomen oblique. Tom Brady limited with rest. A little anticlimactic. <laughs> Jamel Dean, corner, toe, did not practice. Mike Evans did not practice. He's also resting comfortably, uh, chilling out. I gave everyone an awesome Christmas gift today, those scooters. So a shout out to Santa Mike, as Tristan Wirfs called him. Uh, so Mike Evans had a rest day. Julio Jones, knee injury, was limited. Carl Nassib with that peck uh, did not practice. Keanu Neal was limited in practice today with the toe injury. He did not practice yesterday, so he's upgraded there. Donovan Smith, foot, did not practice. Vita Bea, calf, did not practice. Josh Wells with the back was limited again. Antoine Winfield Jr. did not practice. And Tristan Wirfs, once again, was limited in his participation. Passion. Uh, Zach Allen, hand injury, did not participate. This is for the Cardinals now. Uh, Kelvin Beecham, knee, ankle, uh, did not participate. Marquise Hollywood-Brown uh, was limited. He was a new addition to the injury report. Um, everyone else has the same designation that they had the day before. So, O-lineman Rashad Coward, chest, uh, full participation. Wide receiver Greg Dorch, knee, limited. Max Garcia, shoulder, limited. Marcus Golden, limited. Antonio Hamilton, former Buccaneer great. Did not participate. Christian Matthew, limited. Colt McCoy, did not practice. Byron Murphy Jr., back, did not practice. Uh, Ezekiel Turner, the linebacker, ankle was limited. Charles Washington, the safety was limited. And Marco Wilson was limited as well. Yeah, so Tristan Wirfs, obviously, I think is one of the big ones, was limited in uh, – had a limited participation today. He's looking on the up and up, whether it was speaking to reporters today about the Pro Bowl. They typically don't allow you to speak to an injured player, but um, he's on the up and up. Not having Antoine Winfield Jr. doesn't help. You looking for a high five or you want to make a statement? Cardinals have five defensive backs on that list. Yeah. Including, I want to say, their top four corners. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Now, the Bucks have three offensive tackles so (laughs) but but as long as they can keep brady upright the receivers should be able to get open against the apparently street free agents the cardinals may have to bust out although pittsburgh did that pretty well earlier this right yeah and i think again no matter how you want to slice it with the bucks Bengals game on sunday it was obviously bucks were great in the first half third quarter from hell could never recover by the fourth quarter, but in that first half, which was good, they were able to get plays down the field. You know, they took advantage of having some of the the Bengals top corners out and Tom Brady hit Mike Evans for big plays. And Chris Godwin was somewhat effective and Kate Otten, they threw him the ball and he got 20 yards down the field. So I almost feel like it should be a, obviously not exactly the same, but a somewhat similar, similar formula that helped the bucks be so successful in the first half and before everything, you know, crap the bed. Adam, do you see it kind of similar there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I see if like this game is a bounce back game and I definitely see based on what we heard in the press conferences yesterday and today, what we saw in the first half against the Bengals, I really see this being the game that the Bucks could put up 
more than 25 points, more than the 22 that would have gotten him 10 wins so far. I know, Josh. Are you, are you shocked or tired? Is that allowed? Yeah. <laughs> we need to check the rule book. Yeah, I, I don't know. Listen, Byron's a scoring they, guy, though. So. He is a scoring yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah, he's addicted to it. If uh, only they would tell him how much the other team's going to score, so then he would know exactly how many he needs to get. Yeah, again, he's, he's like, like about getting one for seventeen. We got you, right? <laughs> hey, that's a, that's a, yeah. He was like shocked and appalled because I asked him today. Yeah. I tr- I tried to get it out of Byron. I was like, Byron, what specifically worked well in the first half that allowed? you to score so many points and he's like ah you're like you're acting like 17 points is a lot and you know there are a couple chuckles but they've been averaging 17 points a game that you is a lot you didn't rebut for your team this year it is i, I don't know he kept, he kept going with <laughs> that, the that would have been epic. Going, yeah that would <laughs> he kept going with the you know with the statement but you know he was saying they should be scoring more than that anyway so he kind of quote unquote not like critiqued himself but he essentially said like we shouldn't be scoring 17 a game we should be scoring more but i thought i had it out of him for a second yeah i i think the other thing from that first half and i'm gonna try and expand upon this really great analogy that paul atwell has and i'm gonna add some more and and see if i can't zest it up but have you ever been adam you're in college so maybe you can really relate to this but it's late night it's two o'clock in the morning maybe you went to a bar with some friends and now you're hitting that after hour spot I know when I went to South Florida, for me, it was like Denny's or Steak and Shake at 2 a.m. And you walk up and you just look at the menu and you're like, I'm going to take one of everything, right? You're just ordering at random. You have no idea how the chili cheese fries are going to pair with the, you know, whatever else you have on the backside here, but you're just going to eat it all, right? And and Paul Paul says that for much of Byron's career as an offensive coordinator, that's kind of how he calls plays. He's just like, I'm going to take that. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this. How do we get Mike Evans involved? Oh, right. Let's try this play. Oh, let's try a screen to Mike Evans because yeah. Michael that in there. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, uh, that's so, how we'll get the system running. But the the Bengals, Paul Paul got a chance to really go through it, and I'm starting to get to the tape myself. The the offensive tape. The first half of the Bengals game, it's almost like you went to a fine restaurant, and you, and the sommelier, he's he's sitting there like this wine pairs best with this appetizer. Right. So these two plays are going to work really well off of each other. Right. And that's kind of how he was calling the game. Right. So we've gone from 2 a.m. at Denny's to like the the ocean prime where the waiter's making all of these recommendations in terms of what dishes go well with each other. And that's what you hope to see going forward from him as a play caller. So taking Paul's uh, analogy there, hopefully giving it a little bit of a visual life. All I know is breathing like and fine dining. <laughs> that's uh, that's another spun that's another SpongeBob quote for you. I've uh, uh, for those that remember. And then I had something you guys were talking about Tristan in the Pro Bowl earlier, so I thought it was really cool. Have either one of you actually looked at the the skills competitions they've got lined up? No, no. um, I, I I imagine dodgeball because they've done that in the past. Yeah. They did like the trick catch competition. I, so I didn't I didn't totally know about the food thing, but I was going to recommend the wing eating. Here's another recommendation, actually two, and I guess they're featured around the lineman because Tristan Wirfs. One, a sumo match between an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. Tug of war. That tug of war Ooh, would be awesome yeah. too. Or a uh, when they flip the big tire. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think those would all be like I would tune in to watch that. That would be Absolutely. so much fun. 
So yeah. I was hoping you didn't know about the dodgeball. They are going to win the dodgeball because I was going to be like, okay, like the one I'm most stoked about, I'm going to try and give you some lines from like an amazing movie to see if you can get it. And yeah. I was going to be like, Ouchtown, population you, bro, and see if you guys could pull dodgeball off of all of the amazing quotes from that movie. Was but you already a, knew about it, so yeah. it kind of ruined my closing. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. Dodge, yeah. that's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we close everything out, and again, appreciate everyone in the chats. Appreciate you guys on with me. <laughs> Simple question. There's no way they can lose to Trace McSorley. Can they? Can they? Adam, we'll start with you. I don't, I don't see it happening. The luck has to turn around at some point. I mean, they, they've lost to some unheralded quarterbacks this year, but Trace McSorley would and be no like disrespect the icing on the cake. No, on, no, no, no disrespect at all. A, but third string quarterback. Just yeah. He's thrown one touchdown in his career. He, he had two interceptions last game. He threw yeah, like threw 15, under 100 yards. Yeah, he threw yeah. like 15 passes and two of them got intercepted or whatever it was. Since Kyler Murray got injured, the Cardinals have only put up 13 points against the Patriots and then 15 last week against Denver. I mean, the Bucks offense doesn't have to like invent the wheel here. I mean, they could put up 20 and probably have a fighting chance to win. But I see them doing more than that. Here's the issue with what you just brought up, though, Adam. You're talking about two of the top four defenses in the NFL. And, yes, the Bucs have a good defense, but they're not on the level, in my opinion, of the the Broncos and the the Patriots. So if they're Mm -hmm. averaging 14 against those two, now you're creeping up to that magical 17 number (laughs) for the (laughs) Bucs. And, you know, Byron has trouble getting above that one. So yeah. uh, I don't foresee it, like Adam said, but I mean, if, if we want to build a worst case scenario before eggs get digitally thrown at my face on this, I mean, what happens if uh, Donovan and Tristan and Josh Wells all can't go? So now Brandon Walton is your left tackle with all of 35 snaps in his career. And what are we putting Gedeke back out at right tackle? Hey, how about outside linebacker? What if something happens to JTS or Anthony Nelson? Like, right? Yeah. Uh, Casey Gerard Rogers said Avery's they had not a, trending there, and and NASA's yeah. not trending. Casey Rogers said they had a plan B and plan C. Um, I don't Keanu. think they would have revealed that information, but um, it's got to be Keanu to the middle and Devin as a situational yeah. pass rusher. Yeah. yeah. Um. Hopefully, it's like I want to see that, but I don't want the players to get hurt right. to see that. You know. Uh. But. I am definitely uh, curious. So uh, that game will be on Sunday. Before that, we will have the Peter Report tailgate show, the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show, presented by H Rejuvenation and live. Typically, it's live at walk-ons. Um, because it's Christmas, we'll be doing it from the comfort of our own homes. Um, but yeah, the, we usually do it at either the walk-ons at Wesley Chapel or the walk-ons in uh, Midtown. And then after... When the game starts at kickoff, we'll have the Peter Game Day show where I'll be on giving my reactions, analysis, and everything else in between to the Bucks versus Cardinals game, which hopefully is a win for the Bucks. And last thing, if you like our content on pewterreport.com, if you like our podcast and some of the other videos we have uh, up here, we're actually going to have a fun little uh, YouTube short coming up on here and on our Instagram in a little bit. So make sure you check that out. Just do us a favor. Follow us on our social media at Peter Report and uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Peter Report TV. Uh, we're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers by the end of the season. It's um, it's absolutely free. Um, just gives you a heads up, lets you know when uh, when we're going live with all these different shows and, and what's going on. So I uh, would appreciate if you guys can do that. So the tailgate show, 
then the game day show. And um, I think we'll have a Peter Post game show after. But, you know, if you're not doing anything later that night on Christmas, check it out. It's always a fun time. And we appreciate everybody. We appreciate everyone watching the show today. And, of course, shout out to Josh and Adam for joining the show. Um, hope everyone has a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. Hope you have a great time with your friends and family. So for Josh, for Adam, I'm Matt saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We will see you on Sunday for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Happy holidays. Peace out. Merry Christmas. <laughs>